Greetings, friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, poisoning the airways with my toxic masculinity since, oh, at least 2015. Friends, uh, good to have you with us here today, Monday morning, afternoon, excuse me. Uh, yeah, you can see where my brain is at. I, 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 I got back, I did the trip. I went to San Francisco. I had to, I had a, some, some stuff I needed to take care of. So I, I, I got up there, uh, went out on the town, uh, starting immediately after the program, almost immediately got, got on the plane, traveled to San Francisco, was there uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I have some thoughts about this. Now, I know there's a lot to cover today. I know there's fast-breaking developments. I'm going to get to all of it. But I've heard a lot in the news about the great decay of San Francisco, and I think it's, you know, I thought it was uh, certainly going to be an accurate assessment. And here's the, here's my assessment. All of it is true and then some. Now, let me tell you what I mean here. Now, I used to, at one point, uh, love the city. And I know the, the crazy liberals were there from the very beginning. But when I lived down in Southern California, I, and I was getting ready to go to law school, I applied to a number of schools and got into a number of schools up in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, some of which are, are right in the heart of the city. And we only had at that time, let's see, when we were applying to school, I had, I had uh, Daniel and then I had Vera was a baby. So we had really, you know, two tiny little kids. And we thought, you know, this, this could be a fun, I don't know, a little event to go up for a few years, live in the Bay Area. And we started scoping out uh, apartments, uh, houses to buy. We were looking for a, a condo, something, you know, two, three bedroom. And I, you know, I was fairly successful at this point, even before I became a lawyer, I had a business. And I thought, okay, well, we, this, let's do this. Let's look into it. So we, we spent quite a bit of time considering it seriously. And then, of course, I was accepted to a school that I uh, ended up going to down in Orange County, Chapman. And it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't as highly ranked, of course, as a school. Some of them, those that I got into down in, up in San Francisco, but it's a school I definitely wanted to go to. So I went, stayed in Orange County, ultimately moved to Nevada. That's part of my story. But I'm telling you all of this. Those of you who have not heard it, I love San Francisco to the extent that at one point I considered moving there. Boy, am I glad I didn't. In fact, the high-rise building that we were considering purchasing a unit in, well, first off, uh, I, I should point out that even before the, the real decay of San Francisco said in this particular begin, uh, building, apparently had a construction defect and began leaning to one side. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, a real story. The, I think the Millennium Tower, something like that, began leaning to one side. Yes, some guy apparently was putting around with the golf ball and all of a sudden realized that it was, it was veering off to one side in his, in his living room. He goes, oh, we, I think we have a problem. Sure enough, they did the measurements and uh, the building began to tilt. They fixed that. But the area around the financial district, if you've been at any point in San Francisco, you know Union Square, downtown, the financial district. I'm not talking about the Tenderloin. I'm not talking about uh, Haight-Ashbury. I'm talking about the financial district, the heart 
the financial core of the city with all those beautiful billion-dollar high-rises, um, incredible restaurants, fancy uh, you know, condominium uh, 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 buildings, apartments, multi-million-dollar residences. People have penthouses there that are worth 20, 30, or were 20, 30 million dollars. There, there used to be life there at all hours, certainly during the week. I was there Friday afternoon. I kid you not. There was nothing going on. It was dead. Market Street, that at one point in time, I think, was perhaps one of the busiest, uh, most economically vibrant parts of the city. I mean, just, well, between, let's say, Union Square and, well, Gary, right? Gary and and, and whatnot, and, and the Embarcadero, the waterfront, the ferry building, very busy part of town. Lots of banks, lots of big financial institutions. Federal Reserve is over on the on the south side there. Um, I mean, it's just it's it is a ghost town. And the question is why? And it struck me. I, and I and I'll, I'll I'll share some of the you know, quickly some of the experiences of of talking to people. I, I I obviously every person I could possibly talk to, I spoke to. And I didn't ask any leading questions. I said, well, what do you think of San Francisco? And a lot of them would say, well, what do you think of San Francisco? And so I, without trying to be, you know, I, well, they're all afraid to talk about it, by the way. That, that's an interesting thing. And more than that in a moment. They're all afraid to come out. They want to know that you're not a deranged leftist first. So I said, well, I mean, it sure looks a lot different than, my last time I was here, and almost invariably, whether it's the guy with the small shop in Chinatown or the gallerist who has a, a high-end, you know, selling, you know, expensive artwork and everything in between, Uber drivers, restaurateurs, whomever I spoke to, I'm telling you, they all had a similar, when I said, well, it looks a little different, they all go, you think? Now, the cause of it is twofold. And it's important that we as Nevadans wrap our heads around this, okay? Because it's very important. Because if what happens, and San Francisco's, you know, stunningly beautiful still. I would even say it's still worth visiting. It's a gorgeous city. Incredible climate, right? It's always cool. In fact, uh, <laughs> even in the summer, it's cold, right? Mark Twain said the coldest winter I ever experienced was a summer in San Francisco. I'm just, I'm just telling you, it's, it, it is what it is. It's a gorgeous place. And I'm not saying Vegas isn't gorgeous, but we have heat here in the summer. We've got, we've got winter here, uh, you know, cold temperatures in the winter. We have certainly a lack of water. We don't have the Pacific Ocean. We don't have, you know, a, a, that interesting of a topography compared to the Bay Area. So all of this, right? What do we have here? We have freedom still to a large part, certainly comparative to California. We have, a, we have a reduced tax burden. We have something called law and order. Those are all very important things. But another thing that we did here, it's very important that San Francisco never quite did, and that is we came back from COVID quickly. Here I go again, I know, but it's the COVID thing. 
See, it was a perfect storm in San Francisco, a combination of a massive COVID shutdown. Because as you imagine, the city, well, I mean, it's most, mostly liberals, right? And so these are all people that thought we were all going to drop dead of COVID. And they thought that, you know, two years after, you know, after March of, of 2020. So they were, they were thinking this in, in 22. They still think it to, the, to this day. You still see people walking around with masks like complete idiots. And I know, look, I, and maybe they weren't wearing masks a year ago. They were, though. Because the other problem of this is they cannot get their, they cannot get their nimby pimby office workers to come back and work in the office. So the problem that they have in these cities, and I'm sure it's this way in Midtown Manhattan, other, you know, liberal cities, they can't get the people to come back into the office because they're all throwing a fit. They all love working from home, of course, because being in their PJs. Is wonderful, and they're hiding behind COVID. I can't be my immune system, and these companies are all for whatever reason listening to these, to their, to their, to these children that really ought to be tossed out on the street and said, "Listen, you don't want to come back to work on Monday. You're done. See you later, alligator." Because if you all remember, and I was here during the COVID shutdown. In fact. I was living, of all places, on the Las Vegas Strip in a high-rise condo. And I remember, I'd take my evening walks, because before COVID, you know, it was a, a ritual thing. I'd get down and take my walk in the evening and, and go, you know, walk a few blocks and back. And it was busy and lively and stuff was going on. And I never, ever felt unsafe, ever, on the Strip, even at night, even late at night. But what happened during the shutdown is, Everybody disappeared, right? You know the story. You remember what the images, imagery was like. And so what happened is I'd be, you know, out and about. The ratio of insane, you know, criminally insane lunatics to normal people, suddenly the, the ratio got uncomfortable, right? Because for every one of me, there were 10 crazies on the strip that were lurking around doing weird stuff. And that is how it is now today because these these enormous high-rises that have hundreds of thousands of square feet of office space, they're empty. I mean, the companies are still there, I guess, some of them. They're still paying the rents, but everybody's working from home. And all the little stores, the restaurants, the taco places, the, the coffee shops that were bustling and full of people, are it's crickets. And here we are three years, you know, after the fact, plus since the COVID shutdown and, and a city like San Francisco has not yet recovered. And you combine the COVID shutdown with the social justice insanity, right? With California saying, what's 950 bucks? You can steal whatever you want. You're only going to be a slap on the wrist. You're going to get a ticket. It only a misdemeanor. You're all good. And of course, liberal DAs, even though the Chesa Boudin got booted from office the new person is apparently not that much better because the laws prevent going after criminals so the break-ins are outrageous i could tell you in fact i gotta take a break but i'll describe to you some of these scenes that i saw and never mind that these streets that were built by some of the most outrageously successful brilliant strong heteronormative, neurotypical Americans that ever lived 
And I'm talking about the founders of the city of San Francisco, right? Real bad A money monies built that city. And now those same streets smell like toilets. You know, we need to come to a reckoning, folks. And it's important. Uh, it's important for us here in Nevada, and but but as Americans, we need to come with a come to a reckoning that this is not okay. This is not how we want to live. And I mentioned to you that people are afraid to speak up on this. And I want to talk about that because that was my most surprising takeaway. That in spite of the fact that people are living in San Francisco in complete and and, and real fear of their, of, for their personal safety, for their lives, certainly for their property. In spite of that, they are still the most afraid of falling out of line with the censors, with the thought police, with the politically correct crowd. And that to me is so astonishing. Until that f- switch flips, there's, there's, there's nothing to be done. Because we have to be brave, whatever the issue is, whether it's, you know, whether it's, it's mutilation of kids for this trans agenda, whether it's public safety, whether it's, it's reverse racism, whatever the issue is, we have to be brave, as brave as we possibly can to speak our mind, to let people around us know that they and us, that we together are not alone in this, that there is far more of us common sense people out there than the crazies. Sam Marjofsky, got to take a quick break here. I've gone way too long. Uh, I'll be back in a moment. More on this when we return. You're listening to The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust in Nevada and California for your injury needs. 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Yeah, well, speaking of this hysteria over COVID that now is making a comeback, conveniently enough, closing in on a major election, I've seen a lot more masks. I don't know if you uh, have seen this as well. Uh, Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, glad to have you with us here on the What's Right Show. Uh, two things about masks. One, we now have data, in fact, a study released by the NIH suggesting that masks are, in fact, particularly those that are very closed, like the, was it the N95 mask? Are actually very can be very harmful, can cause cancer. Um, I, well, I mean, I, yes, yeah. Prolonged mass use gets all those harmful gases trapped inside your face, and you're not supposed to be wearing this mask day in and day out all the time when you're walking around. When you're stuck for hours, you know, on an, on an airplane, this is this is meant for a hospital environment. And by the way, this I remind you too that I, I love when when the when the federal health people told us, you know, d- d- masks are ineffective for fire particles, right? If you're, you know, wildfires and whatnot, it's the, the N95 mask not going to help you any. But when, you know, when you look at the size of 
you know, airborne pathogens from a fire, those particulates, as in, in terms of relative matter size, are enormous compared to COVID-19. Because the little COVID particle or the little, little speck is, is minuscule compared to the much larger particles of, you know, the smoke, soot, and whatever that, that, are, that are airborne in event of a fire. So I, it's just all of this is so anti-science, but the anti-science, well, these people that keep saying we need masks, we need shutdowns, we need, we need isolation, we need all the stuff that didn't work before, that we need to do it again. These are the same people that berate us time and time again about how we don't believe science. The only science they believe in is what is convenient to their ideology their agenda that furthers their power grab, their ability to berate people. You know, clips are now, given that this COVID thing is, I guess, making some kind of a comeback, uh, clips are now resurfacing from, from 2020, 2021, when really a whole sector of society felt empowered, I guess is the word, empowered enough to go and berate strangers, demand that they comply with mask mandates and, 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 and uh, vaccination uh, requirements. It was disgusting. Now there's a story. When I was there in San Francisco this weekend, on Saturday there was supposed to be a Doom Loop tour and it was organized anonymously by somebody and I was poking around this because I thought, you know, I probably... If I could sneak away for a few minutes away from family obligations, maybe what I ought to do is, is go on this doom loop walking tour. And it was canceled last minute. So just before the break, I was mentioning how I, I, you know, I, I had a number of folks that well, were eager to talk to me, and that's an understatement. We're very, very, very interested in having a conversation with me as an outsider about, about their city. But they wouldn't begin sharing openly their thoughts about the city until I sort of primed the pump, if you will, or let down a, a, a little tell that perhaps I was open-minded about the situation. And here's an example of it. Apparently, the uh, Doom Loop walking tour was uh, uh, organized by an uh, a anonymous person who, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, may in fact be a guy named Alex Ludlam, Ludlam is uh, 35 years old, is a native San Franciscan who uh, co-founded the Soma West Community Benefit District. And apparently he's a, you know, a bit of a political figure there. And, he, and, and the minute that his name became associated with just a walking tour showing that maybe there's some problems, he immediately canceled it. People are terrified of speaking out publicly about this stuff. And Why? Very simple. It's politically disastrous to do so. You, you can't do it. Because in San Francisco, they are perfectly willing to let their city sink as long as their liberal left-wing bona fides are left intact. And that is, I think, in my view, absolutely insane. All right, um, I'll, maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about this. I want to get to the shootings, of course, in Florida. Uh, Orange County and today in North Carolina. Some thoughts on that. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show.
Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, that's me, Sam Rajofsky, here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. So some photos from my trip to the uh, Bay Area. I'm thinking here, hold on, live radio, stand by, stand by. I'm going to put these up on Instagram right now. Uh, Okay, Instagram, by the way, at What's Right Sam, at What's Right Sam, that's Instagram and Twitter. You can find me both places. Uh, but I'm putting a little um, montage, not a montage, 10 photos here of our of our trip. Uh, went to Alcatraz, too. Let me mention that. Uh, was There's an entire display at Alcatraz right now. This is a, a national park, right? So this is a federal, federally funded, our tax dollars, even those of us living here in Nevada, right? We pay federal income tax, (laughs) our tax money going to paying for an enormous display inside Alcatraz on mass incarceration in America. You got it. The federal government spending money to indoctrinate Americans against imprisoning bad people. Now, what's funny about it is, speaking of horrifying smells, and yes, by the way, San Francisco, the entire city smells like a toilet. Everywhere you go, you will smell human poo, and it's just, it's gross. It is absolutely gross, because the homeless homeless are everywhere. But Alcatraz was by far and away the worst, and you'd think, you know, there's not very many homeless on Alcatraz, it's a long swim, Uh, They're not making it there. No, it's because I guess the federal parks, they're they're not cleaning anything. There's dead birds everywhere. It's disgusting. The whole place smells like like a a rotting, festering hellhole. I bet you it smelled better when it was a prison before it was shuttered in 1963. So I was there with my niece who's here for the year uh, visiting us. Well, visiting us. She's here for the year. We're going to school in Las Vegas. And this is her first trip to San Francisco. She goes out there. I said, well, come back. And, you know, remember, there's a big display about mass incarceration and how terrible we are in America and how we mistreat our prisoners and look at where we put them. And she goes, this place was built, this place was built in, in what, the 30s? It's pretty nice. (laughs) Not bad. So Sam, like the, like the worst of the worst came to this prison? Doesn't seem too terrible to me. I said, yeah, and it didn't, probably didn't smell like dead seagull either. <sighs> yeah, it's a 13-year-old from the Czech Republic, more common sense than anyone in the Department of Interior. All right, now, the sad news the other day, uh, shooting in, in Jacksonville, Florida. This is... Uh, this is this is just absolutely tragic. Uh, a guy, 21-year-old guy, goes in uh, to a store. You know the story. You've heard it now. He's clearly uh, a, a, a racist. We know this because, of course, the feds wasted no time 
to tell us exactly what motivated this shooter. We are months and months past the shooting in Nashville. FBI holding those that particular manifesto very close to their vest because of course it does not fit the narrative so we can't you know we can't possibly have a transgender hate motivated shooter because that would throw all this domestic terror business completely on its side nonetheless Ron DeSantis goes down there as he as he ought to as the governor of Florida goes down and gets booed now gets booed not just by by the way it's being reported he's, he's being booed by folks that were you know hostile to DeSantis and 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 you know gun control people and the like he's also booed by people chanting Trump 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 we want Trump in, in both instances absolutely shameful that this was allowed to happen uh because that's not what it is we suspend politics in moments like these, paying respect uh, to the dead. Um, absolutely terrible. By the way, earlier today, um, UNC, the uh, was a Chapel Hill University of North Carolina campus, locked down over a shooting. And last week, Cook's Corner had, a, I guess, a former police officer go down and, and um, in an effort to kill his estranged wife, whom I, my understanding is she's still alive, uh, killed three other people. Cook's Corner is a... Growing up uh, in Irvine, my, my actually my neighbor, uh, my neighbor owned Cook's Corner. He may have been one of the original owners. I don't know the full history of it, but he owned Cook's Corner. He was a motorcycle guy, big construction guy. I think his name was DeLuna. He owned the uh, owned that owned that restaurant. I've been there a couple times. It's a it's a biker hangout. Uh, but this just absolutely heartbreaking. Now. Y- y- you know what I want answers on? So this shooter in, in Jacksonville, we'll know more about the other shootings as well, but this, it's, I keep coming back to this because the gun control people say we need background checks. Okay. But tell me how. The, the, this particular shooter in Jacksonville, he, had, he was put on a 72-hour mental hold recently, meaning in the last couple years. I mean, this to me, I think this is significant, no? How are we, how are people buying guns legally and passing background checks and still have this stuff out there? And the answer is it's either not coming up or actually you have privacy concerns and rights that, that, that supersede these searches. And that, that, that's, you know, that's a problem. And I'm almost, if I were a more cynical person than I am, I would almost think that the gun control people don't actually want folks that have real mental health issues from getting guns because they want these kind of things to happen in order to push their total abolition on guns, prohibition on guns agenda, right? I mean, that's what their goal is. Their goal is all guns forbidden just like it is in Canada. Can't have a handgun, can't have an assault rifle, maybe some some long guns for hunting, very limited purpose. That's their absolute dream. That is what the gun control people want. And so they almost I, I almost feel like some of these bills maybe are crafted in a way where or the searches aren't effective, or and by the way, this is the FBI database. Was it not in the FBI database? Maybe the scandal really here is that the FBI 
while very keen on boosting its own statistics on domestic terror, you know, those right-wing crazy racists out there. Number one problem, number one threat to America. I mean, it's not Chinese espionage, for example. I mean, it's not that. We're fine with that. But yes, and I'm not, I, I, I will not mention the shooter's name. I don't do that here on the show. You guys know that. But this is a, this is a, a disturbed, sick, disgusting piece of human garbage. And he chickened down. I think he took his own life or the police took him out. Whatever the case was, he's not with us anymore. And if he were, I'd be the first one lined up to say that whatever whatever capital punishment he gets is is a is a is merciful compared to what he deserves. So no harbor for this guy. I'm I'm just curious as to how a number of these mass shooters all have mental health problems, and somehow they're able to go out and buy guns legally. And then the FBI that maintains the database for all this stuff and is supposed to be the go all be all place where you you know you go to to get get you know a, a background check on a, on a gun buyer. They're the ones running around making this a political uh, event, and it's um, and maybe they're just shifting you know attention away from the fact that, that they, they don't have this stuff organized in the way they ought to. And if the media did its job, these are the questions we would be asking. Because it's not just guns being the problem, clearly. And the sheriff there, holding a press conference, gets asked a question about guns. And you've heard the clip. I'm going to play it here again because it's so damn good. Says this. The, the story is always about guns. It's, the people are bad. This guy's a bad guy. If I could take my gun off right now and I lay it on this counter, nothing will happen. It'll sit there. But as soon as a wicked person grabs a hold of that handgun and starts shooting people with it, there's the problem. The problem is the individual. Yeah, it is the individual. Now, I, I, I mean, should, should people with, with mental health problems have guns? Probably not a great idea. Can we agree on a common sense solution that prevents that from happening? that still respects people's constitutional rights? Probably. And we have in many jurisdictions. It's the existing law. So my, 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 my takeaway from these, these cases, particularly where there is some background, some history uh, with mental health problems, my, 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 my answer to this is why put in new laws? Why add more laws when the existing ones aren't working the way they're supposed to. And maybe, just maybe, it's not a question of more, you know, more legislation, more rules. Maybe it's a question of our government at the federal and local level functioning in a, in a, in a competent way. But, you know, these people will never, ever accept responsibility for any failures. They'll always turn around and point the finger somewhere else. And that is the ultimate problem with accountability in our government. And that's why, of course, we, the voters, everyday Americans, are so important in this process because we must hold them accountable. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash, injury law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. 
because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. I did, um, in fact, just share uh, the photos here from my trip uh, to San Francisco on at What's Right Sam on Instagram. If you don't follow me, I'm I'm almost always on there. I, and, and look, uh, on Insta, I don't do too many uh, political things. It's just my life behind the scenes. So to the extent that that interests you, you're welcome. Now on Twitter is where I get I get cheeky. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm newish to Twitter, so I'm not, I'm not as prolific as some. That's something that can really, by the way, suck at you uh, in terms of your um, uh, time and, um, and mental headspace. Because Twitter really is a playground for fools and morons. Now, interspersed uh, in a sea of idiocy is, um, is an occasional flash of brilliance. And that's uh, why I stay on there. Twitter, X, whatever it is now, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so at What's Right Sam, both places follow me if you do not already. Now, before we, now before we, I, 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 I was, I was going to mention this. Joe the Plumber, remember him? rose to fame as the guy who confronted Barack Obama back on the 2008 campaign trail. Oh, the things we didn't know about how bad this country could get back in 2008. His name was Joseph Wurzelbacher, or Bacher, passed away uh, this weekend. He was diagnosed with an aggressive form of pancreatic cancer in July. Um, His wife, Katie, Told Fox News, our hearts are broken. We lost a beloved husband, father, son, brother, and friend. He made an impact on so many lives. 49 years old. Uh, my only comment on this is cherish every day, friends. Every single day is a gift. One of my friends lost her sister this weekend to stomach cancer. Absolutely devastating disease. Um went fast she's younger than me and I still consider myself to be a spring chicken over here but uh, you know I mean she was in her 30s absolutely frightening how fragile life is and and we take it for granted folks we really do until until we're reminded of our fragility and our mortality And it's always good to go through life with a little bit of humility and a little bit of appreciation for how good it is, even when we're stressed out about finances and and our kids are driving us crazy and school and all the madness, the stress that we face, our cars breaking down. You you think, oh, how could it get any worse? Well, how's your health? Are you good? Because I have the saying, and it's... I, I'm, all my friends know this about me because it's, I, I say it frequently. When I get stressed out, I always ask myself this question. I say, what is the problem you're facing and can it be fixed with money? Now, it doesn't matter if, by the way, it doesn't matter if, if I've got the money to fix it or, or not, right? Oftentimes the answer is money can fix it, but I don't have the money to, I don't have enough money to fix the problem. Um, but if it's a problem that money can fix, it's not a real problem. 
and I've folks, I've been in positions where you know, I've you know, I'm 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 a self-made entrepreneurial guy. Trust me, I've I've been up against the wall on more than one occasion. I know what it's like to face a tremendous amount of stress. Uh, and I've but I, and I got to just tell myself, it, it, can money fix this problem, make it go away? And if that's the case, it's it's you're going to be okay. So Joe the plumber dead at 49. A pancreatic cancer, just absolutely a, a sad story here. Okay. Well, I'm getting some emails here. Sam at salmonashlaw.com. Uh, folks, uh, yes, the FBI has some fault in failing to maintain their, this, this, this background database properly. If you're going to pass gun control legislation, if you are a left-wing, you know, anti-Second Amendment politician you're going to do that and one of your your cries for you know that, that you know needs to happen is background checks background checks for guns okay well that's fine but we have it we have it here in nevada there's background checks you go to the fbi database right remember back in 2015 the charleston shooting the guy who goes in uh, to the African Methodist Episcopal Church, kills twelve. You know he had a felony arrest on his on his record, but the FBI they 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 messed it up. They 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 you know botched his background check, and they let him uh, buy a firearm anyway. The guns he used that day were purchased legally, but he shouldn't have had them, based on existing law. Now, this is why, of course, the FBI went to great lengths to talk about the domestic terrorism and the racism of this person. Nobody wanted to talk about the fact that the FBI screwed the pooch. Right? There was a Sutherland Spring shooting in 2017. The Texas church. Uh, 26 people died that day. Now, the Air Force apparently knew that the shooter had a domestic violence conviction. But they didn't, they failed to put it in the national database. The, the shooter that, that, that committed mass murder that day had been court-martialed. He received a bad conduct discharge. I don't know what you think, but my personal opinion is, if somebody has a bad conduct discharge and has a felony conviction on their record, yeah, that's not exactly the, my idea of a law-abiding citizen who ought to be armed. I think that's a reasonable, a reasonable, uh, you know, restriction. But even if it isn't, even if that's not your belief, at the at the very least, you can accept the fact or understand my point here that we have existing laws in place, and the same people that want to add more rules and more laws and more restrictions are in the government, and those are the people that have not been able to get the government to work properly the way it ought to in maintaining these databases and preventing the bad apples from getting guns. Now, yes, of course, every day I'm sure people are rejected. But this is sort of, in my view, a zero-fail mission. I mean, uh, you know, who's to say that if this particular guy here in Jacksonville, Florida, if his mental health stuff had been in the record, if it had been put in, who's to say that maybe he would have, he would have, not been able to purchase a gun, legally at least, 
may have slowed him, may have given his parents time to realize that there was a problem, given perhaps mental health professionals the opportunity to help him. I don't know. There's some ifs there. But the system has to work a certain way. All right, time to go. Top of the hour. The hood is all in for Trump, and those are not my words. I mentioned this last week. I have the receipts now. You do not want to miss this next segment. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're probably wondering, what the hell is he talking about? Don't worry. It will all make sense in just a moment. The What's Right Show will continue. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to me, Sam Marjofsky, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, here behind the What's Right Show microphone. Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Yeah, I know it, it was a good weekend. I just had somebody responding to me in my comments about San Francisco saying, you must have really hated your weekend. Uh, and that's not the case. I, it's still a beautiful city. I went to San Francisco. It was there Friday afternoon to uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, it, it, was, it was lovely. It was nice to be there. Uh, but it just is disappointing to me how a great American city, perhaps one of the most beautiful cities, naturally beautiful cities in the world, one of the most wealthy cities historically of the 20th century, can be so decimated by the left-wing policies put in place by a deranged populace. Now, one of my friends I ran into, by happenstance, I didn't intend to do it, but it was a guy who owns and operates a gallery downtown. I'm not going to name who it is because I don't want uh, this to get out. But I, well, he told me, this guy, he's a die-in-the-wool Democrat. He told me he's voting Republican next go. This is one of the people that I had to say, well, so, so he goes, well, what do you think of San Francisco? I said, well, leaning in, well, I think, I haven't been here in five years, and I think it looks a lot different. He goes, you think? <laughs> um, and that's where the discussion went. But he, he flat out, he goes, this is a political failing. They prioritize the well-being of homeless drug addicts over tax-paying citizens. And that's a no-go. And here's another problem, and I'm digging this out from my stack of stuff. This is from public... On Substack today, no, 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 published over the weekend, excuse me, Leighton Woodhouse writing, Anarcho-Tyranny Behind San Francisco Homeless Crisis. Now, make this, uh, be aware, please, this is, the reason I'm, I'm talking about this is because we are flirting with disaster here on the homeless subject as well here in Las Vegas. You travel northeast of my office, go past Fremont Street, keep going, cross through there, and uh, the no. But even before Fremont Street, east East Fremont, boy, it's there are some there there's you're gonna see some stuff. 
Now, the one thing that uh, we're pretty good here about not allowing that stuff to take uh, really a hold of on the strip, because of course, you know, we want to keep those areas clear, but, it, but, but the neighborhoods don't deserve it either. But anyway, the ACLU, remember when the ACLU actually stood for real civil rights? Well, they've run out of battles to fight, apparently, because now they've taken up a case. Well, last year they took up a case, but just now it was heard. It was heard on Wednesday by the Ninth Circuit. ACLU is, uh, filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Coalition on Homelessness. Now, one thing that we have to... And I'm going to get to Trump. Don't worry. I'm going to get to Trump. Everybody relax here. Lots to go over today, and I'm, I want to get this out while it's still fresh. The problem with all of these homeless advocacy groups is that they are motivated to keep the problem in place because they get paid so long as the problem exists. When it comes to funding, they are self-perpetuating entities, right? They require homelessness to continue being a problem in order for their need to exist to continue. If they solve homelessness, well, that's it. This is kind of like Jesse Jackson, right? Old Jesse, you know, and... and, uh, yeah, the whole cabal of, of these race hustlers. They all require racism to live on in perpetuity in the U.S., or at least a perception of it. Because as long as it does, they're able to shake down companies for millions of dollars and go and hold their seminars and their voodoo clearings. Oh, this, this, this company paid me a million dollars, so they're, they're, I, I declare thee not racist. So ordered by Jesse Jackson, <laughs> right? We know how this works. The reason that they continue to racially agitate and stoke racial tensions in our country is because they want these things to continue. So, by the way, this lawsuit in San Francisco, so this, is, this is a line from the lawsuit, and it is as absurd as when Jesse Jackson, okay, gets up there um, and uh, and says and says America is 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 fundamentally racist. Lawsuit here filed last year. Quote, and this is by the way, they're not talking about a place in Mississippi. They're talking about San Francisco, California. Quote: San Francisco has a long history of oper- operationalizing the law to ensure that the city remains as white as possible. The quote continues, it seeks to erase any trace of unhoused people from public space, reflecting a deep disdain for visible poverty. That from a lawsuit filed against the city of San Francisco by this homeless coalition to prevent the city from clearing disgusting festival, uh, these, these homeless encampments that are crowding out sidewalks, blocking entrances to hospitals and schools and the like. Now, the author here doesn't let them obviously get away with it. This is from a public piece in Substack, Leighton Woodhouse writing, you might be surprised then to learn that the complaint describes one of the most progressive cities on earth, a city that budgeted nearly $850 million 
on homeless services, which is roughly 100,000 per every homeless person in the city during the current fiscal year. Half that money goes to permanent housing for people living on the streets. You might be perplexed when you hear from homeless people who tell public that if you're going to be homeless, it's pretty effing easy here. I mean, if we're going to be realistic, they pay you to be homeless here, close quote. And yet the ACLU and this coalition on homeless continue to agitate, including up and through federal courts, demanding that the city allow this thing to continue. And I say this as a lawyer, eventually when you boil down all the problems of society, there's usually a few lawyers behind it. <laughs> well, I can, listen, I can engage in a little self-deprecation. What's my take? on Well, the legal take on it is that the federal courts have been very resistive to cities removing homelessness. And, and, and the general rule is, if I can summarize it, is you cannot outlaw homelessness. Right. Well, OK, but I think you can outlaw uh, pardon. I, I, I want to use the, the, you know, the improper word, but you, you, you can outlaw literally taking a dump on the on the sidewalk. You can outlaw public intoxication. You can outlaw open air drug use of illegal drugs that are prohibited at the federal level. You can outlaw camping on on sidewalks blocking, you know, sidewalks and entrances into buildings and the like. So again, I, you know, every time you have a city tell you, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, we're prevented by law. No, you're, you're hiding behind that. And I think the federal courts, what we, what they, what the city needs to do, I have the solution, actually. The city needs to do, if they're really serious about getting the federal court to change their minds, they need to pick up every nasty A-money-money money homeless tent, put it on a truck one by one, and move it completely encircling the federal courthouse. Uh, you want that stench of those people all taking a crap in the street? You want that seeping into the AC system for the federal courthouse? Those federal judges, they're going to come around too sweet start thinking very differently about the problem at hand. I guarantee it. See, this lawyer here, sometimes I have to think a little bit outside the box to solve problems. All right. Well, it's, listen, the, the, the homeless problem and, and quite honestly, the, the entire racism thing is, is very, it's very similar. Both groups of, of, of activists, so-called activists, people that are there to help to ameliorate the problem, those are, those are wolves in sheep's clothing. Because just like the homeless activists want homelessness to get worse so that they get more funding and they can hire more staff members and pay themselves larger salaries, so too are all the uh, DEI and, uh, and woke you know, racial groups that are out there advocating for racial harmony. But in fact, what are they doing, right? What are they teaching? They're teaching young people of color, even white people that hate America, that America's institutionally, fundamentally, systematically racist. It's Jesse Jackson on steroids. And yet at the same exact time, black Americans, black Americans are coming around. There's a new poll out 
and some reactions on the internet I need to share with you from black voters talking about Trump. You do not want to miss this. It all ties together. Just wait and see. I will explain it all. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. 702-820-1234. In a crash, call Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. Well, you know what went down last week, right? You get Trump, you know, finally, I guess, presented himself on Thursday to get fingerprinted and have his mugshot taken. And then everybody on the left was so delighted. They were all clapping. Oh, yes, the orange man. We finally got him. We got his picture. And almost instantly, the whole thing backfired on them spectacularly. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. So, I mean, I told you this on Thursday. I told you this on Friday. I mentioned that there was a sensible shift occurring in a black community uh, in their opposition to Trump being, in their words, and I'll play for you a few of the many, many, many videos circulating on social media since last week, uh, their sense that, that, that Trump is being treated unfairly by the prosecutor there in Fulton County. But there's something a little bit more at play. So I want to take this apart here, um, and, and, and we're going to have a break, obviously, at the bottom of the hour, but I, I, will, I want to take my time with this to explain exactly, give you the responses. So uh, I'll play you. There's one guy on TikTok, Matrix Farms 365 this is his handle, and he says, you know, he's, he, he explains it in one way that I think is, is very um, uh, persuasive about his sense of watching what uh, what happened to Trump in Atlanta. So I was watching these Trump videos of him getting arrested in Atlanta. I used to live in Atlanta for the majority of my life. Grew up there. <clears throat> One of the reasons I left and uh, came out to the country is because of how these liberal cities are ran. Um, one thing I wanted to point out is that the hood is waking up. <laughs> and what I mean by that is even the lower income blacks who are most beholden to uh, this leftist ideology, and they're victims of it. Um, they're starting to even realize that they've been lied to, that they've been pimped out, and a lot of them are not afraid to speak out anymore. This is a problem for the Democrats. It's a problem for the Democrats that the hood is waking up, this is, I mean, his words, and realizing that they've been lied to and abused by the Democratic Party. Now, another gentleman speaking out about this, says that the corrupt DA, her actions will backfire on Democrats because of the way they're mistreating Trump. Listen to this. They had a video of Trump going down to be indicted in Atlanta, and there was neighborhoods of black Afri- of African-Americans cheering for Trump because they understand the, how they have been done by the system. Uh, they understand that they've been, their people have been attacked by the system for, for, for generations. So they see this attack on Trump and they, they relate to it and it's causing most of all I saw on TikTok was people supporting Trump. And I think this indictment that this corrupt DA did is going to backfire. And it's going to come have droves of people that support him that never would have supported him before. This is this is profound. 
Another voter said this. I think Trump deserved that black card. First, it was the Russian interference. Then he got impeached twice. Then y'all went to mess with his taxes. Then y'all raided Mar-a-Lago. Now this? And Trump got a target on his back just like a black man. Y'all keep messing with him. Hey, Trump, you black now. You good in the hood. He blacker than Obama. <laughs> I remember Bush Sr. All he gave was war and prison time. Clinton, he told everybody he smoked weed, played the saxophone. Bush Jr., 9-11, war. Obama, more prison and a new gender. Trump, money, money, money. <laughs> Biden, war, recession. 18 more months from now? Hey, Trump, you got my vote. Trump 2024, man. Free Trump. M-A-G-A. Make America gangster again. That's right. Trump's getting his gangster street cred from all this. Fannie Willis don't know what she started. <laughs> Make America gangster again. M-A-G-A. Taking on a whole new meaning. This is unbelievable. Now, I can tell you, I remember 2016, and I will tell you unequivocally that Trump is the first Republican president to actually make inroads into reliably Democratic voter demographics, particularly with African Americans. He did it, and he did it successfully. And in 2020, I think a lot of people abandoned him because they were just over it, and they, they bought into a lot of stuff. And this... I mean, if there was a, if there was a, uh, I guess an ideal scenario, how to rehabilitate Trump's standing with lower income Americans, this would be it. I mean, what they've done, and I think Fannie Willis is really the cherry on top. It's almost perfect that that was the last, well, we'll say last, most recent indictment, and the the photo. That they, Fannie Willis got up there and said, I'm going to take the picture. Nobody's above the law. We have processing rules. Doesn't matter if you're the ex-president or not. Everybody's going to get the photo. What she wanted was she wanted that scalp. She wanted that memento. She was going to put it up on her wall. Like one of, you know, one of those serial killers, you know, saving mementos from, from, their, from their murders. And I got this guy. I nailed him. Got a picture up on the wall. And it may end up being the single best thing for Trump's re-election chances. Mark my words. Here's Tony times two on Twitter, on X, saying, when are you guys going to learn? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood, gangsters, hollering about Trump 2024, you heard me? The hood got this man back, you heard me? And we ain't, we ain't stupid, man, American people, man. We ain't nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up, you heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be because we ain't having nothing else. You know something's going down. When even the NAACP in Oakland is writing open letters asking for more police on the street, telling basically the core positions of Black Lives Matter to go screw, screw itself, right? Where to go and how to get there. Talking about crime. Talking about Republican issues. 
poking, being willing to publicly poke the eye of some of these Democrat sacred cows, like social justice reform. Something's going on. I got a couple more. Well, I got one in particular when we come back because it's a reminder. Again, just like the, Remember, just like the homeless crisis, the racism in this country, they have to keep pushing it, the Dems do, and they, they've used it politically to their advantage. Cycle after cycle after cycle, but what are they actually doing for black Americans? The answer, not much, and people are taking notice. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit salmonashlaw.com. Welcome, friends. It's I, Sam Rajofsky, or me, it's me. I guess it's me, Sam Rajofsky. Thank you. Let me start off with some terrible grammar just to really get things moving here well regardless of who it is it's um i'm here (laughs) grateful grateful to be with you here on this monday obviously still getting my brain to work after my uh my trip out of town i did just post some pictures uh of my trip to san francisco the kids had a great time the cable cars we we did the trip from ghirardelli square to union square on the powell line hyde powell line and it's just a yeah, it was worth the wait. It's it's eight bucks a person now. And there were six of us. It was a bit more than I wanted to spend on a um, on a cable car ride. But anyway, well worth it. My daughter was totally into it. Uh and um and anyway, so and and actually briefly when the cable car was moving up through Knob Hill, we couldn't smell any uh, human feces. So this was great. Best part of the whole trip. All right. Um no, I, friends, listen, this, this stuff, what's going on right now, what's absolutely exploding on the internet uh, ought to be a deep worry for the Democrat Party. Trump, by virtue of his arrest in Fulton County, is getting a, uh, a renewed following and vocal support from African Americans across the country. Now, I played for you uh, four... Uh, independent reactions, they're all different people. Uh, it's just a sampling of what I saw over the weekend. But I also, there was a lady that that caught my my attention and um, and she because it's what she mentions at the end that's a great callback to Biden. Remember Biden in the 20, uh, 2020 race at one point told black people that they're not, yeah, he was talking to Charlemagne and he basically said, uh, you know, if if you're if if you're voting for if you can't figure out who to vote for, me or Trump, then you then you aren't African American. Well, he said it a different way. It was the most vile, racist thing. Uh, but of course, the Democrats we got away with it. Listen to this. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. <laughs> that was in May of 2020 he became president so anyway some african americans didn't forget it here's one unidentified woman uh 
uh, doing an interview, street interview uh, for TikTok. Uh, so she, this is not from her account. She's getting interviewed. Listen to this. I like the fact that he says what's on his mind. I like the fact that he doesn't say what he thinks people want to hear from him. And to me, I know everything that he's done for the black communities, and I stand behind him Beautiful. 100%. I'm not only a, a Trump supporter, I am a Trump lover. And for the longest time, I've been afraid to come out and say that. Well, here we go. Because I didn't want to lose my blackness or my black friends or whatever. But Remember what Joe Biden said, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. That's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> what an idiot. What an idiot about Joe Biden. So this is, uh, I mean, okay, I understand that it's not, it's not dispositive, but already some polling initially showing that following the arrest, his support among black Americans is on the rise. Now, I will, I will say this too. I saw somewhere a headline that that said po- polling's took took uh, Trump's polling took a little bit of a dip following the the um, well. So last week was a big week. Two big events occurred. Right, we had the we had the debate, and then we also had the arrest. Uh, the, the charges came two weeks prior, but he turned himself in on Thursday, which was the day after the debate. Not by accident, by the way. Deliberate, smart move on Trump's part to. Uh, basically take over the news cycle. Any chit-chat about the, uh, the the debates quickly were were kind of overshadowed by the event of a former president being booked and processed at Fulton County Jail. Now, the Emerson poll, I got to look at this when this thing came out. The first poll here that was released yesterday, so presumably, let's have a look here. The Emerson poll, let's see when it was conducted, Emerson poll was conducted well. This is this is good for Trump. Uh, eight twenty-five to eight twenty-six. So we're talking Friday and Saturday. So this poll was conducted after Trump was arrested, also after the debate, which is almost more important. Fifty percent Trump. This is the national, right? These are national numbers. Has Trump up by thirty-eight points? Fifty percent. DeSantis at twelve. So not dropping like a stone, but who's going up is Ramaswamy at nine. Haley, seven. Pence, seven. Christie, five. Uh, so, we'll, you know, that's that's one of the first ones. And, the, oh, by the way, there was a, uh, one on the Democrat side, just noting here, the Kennedy's staying up there, 12%. I know Kennedy, Biden has 61, uh, but it's still, it's still relevant, it's still high. Well, there was a Saturday. There was a Saturday poll on Reuters too, that happened. And the Saturday, the the the, the Reuters poll, th- this one overlapped, uh, started before the debate, but it had Trump at fifty-two, DeSantis at thirteen, Ramaswamy at five. So Ramaswamy shot up. You know, if you're gonna kind of take it, Trump and DeSantis about the same place. Ramaswamy up by four points following the debate. So I mean, I think these are this is consistent. We'll see how it how it carries through. But what will be absolutely fascinating are any polls that come out precisely about African-Americans and their sentiments, seeing if that changes. Because I think that, I, I think that in 2020, Trump lost some of the black vote, uh, certainly. I think it went down to like maybe support around 8%. Although it's, again, it's tricky to tell because a lot of people don't want to answer who are Trump supporters and coming from groups of people where maybe there's some social pressure 
not to identify with Trump. You heard what that lady said, right? Me, it's a it's a telling thing. She says, "Well, I I don't, you know, I I don't want to, you know, I'm afraid to come out and say that because I didn't want to lose my blackness or my back black friends or whatever." And I think that 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 um, that kind of uh, you know suppression of opinion is common not just for for African Americans, but I would say other people as well who who fear coming out saying that they support Trump because they feel like ten people are going to come down on them and and call them an idiot. How could you possibly be for Trump? My answer to that always is you know stop indicting the guy, just leave him alone. For Pete's sake. Well, the other person who had a great weekend is is Vivek Ramaswamy. I'll tell you, and, and he went straight at some of this stuff. He went straight at it. This guy is fearless. And, you know, I spent a, you know, some of the questions I asked openly and candidly uh, last week on this program, because I, I'm getting, I know, a, a number of you are emailing me and telling me or asking me what I think of of Vivek, if I think he's a Manchurian candidate of, of sorts or some sort of George Soros plant. And here's here's the thing, though. He is saying and 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 fearlessly saying all the stuff that I have wanted somebody with a national following to as a candidate to say. And he's saying it unapologetically. And he's going he's turning Look, you don't have to – fine, you're not going to vote for him. I understand, but you have to at least appreciate the fact that he's going on CNN and giving these people the vapors. I mean, Dana Bash over the weekend looked – on Sunday, she looked like she was about to uh, – I don't know. I mean, I have a coronary on air. They were going back and forth. Well, Vivek called Ayanna Presley, basically likened her to the KKK, right? That he's – because, you know, basically, you know, the guy on a Presley and other other people, and say, you, know, you can't comment like Sam. You can't comment about anything having to do with with the, the African Americans or 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 race or whatever because you don't understand as a white person. And that, um, and and to him, by the way. The, the comment was related to the fact that Vivek Ramaswamy, of course, is Indian, so he is a person of color, but Ayanna Presley was implying that he was not an adequate person of color. He wasn't, he, he was just a brown face that, that talks white. And he fought back against that. So Bash, here's, here's what, here's, uh, well, here's how it all started. You took issue with comments from Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. She reportedly said, quote, we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown, vo- a brown voice. About that, you said, these are the words of the modern grand wizards of the modern <laughs> KKK. You know, I'm sure, the KKK was responsible for more than a century's worth of horrific lynchings, rapes, murders of black people. How in any way are the views you're talking about comparable to the views and atrocities committed by the KKK? Um, well, his answer's perfectly 
uh, spot on. I think it is the same spirit to say that I can look at you and based on just your skin color, that I know something about the content of your character, that I know something about the content of the viewpoints you're allowed to express. For Ayanna Presley to tell okay, me that's... that because of my skin color, I can't express my views, that is wrong. It is divisive. That is it is a, driving hate that is in this a country. Debate. This is dividing okay, that our is country a debate. to a breaking point. <laughs> she doesn't know what to do with it. But the fact of the matter is, is how many times in the last couple of years, the more that the DEI systematic racism agenda is pushed, do we hear openly racist statements being said by people of color against whites, against African-Americans who do not go along with their agenda, against anyone that opposes them politically? So these people get to demagogue about everything and hide behind race. And then the minute you call them out and call them racists, you what, you're the problem? And that's all CNN does. Dana Bash, all she does is carry water for these ideological losers. So Vivek continues with it. And, and, I, and I love that he's not giving up on this. Let's be intellectually honest and get to the heart of what this debate ought to be about. There is a worldview that says that the remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. That if you're black or brown, you have to have a particular point of view. That's from Ibram Kendi. That's from Ayanna Presley, the people can, I quoted in my speech yesterday. But can There's you a have an intellectually have, honest conversation who you are, when you accuse you her be able of to being have your own a opinion. grand wizard Let's of have the, the KKK? Can you have that intellectually that honest discussion is, with that kind of rhetoric? Yes, I can, Dana, because the point the point I'm highlighting is that even the people who, in good spirit, we all agree that the KKK was an awful organization that is a toxic stain in our national history. So given that we can start from that point of agreement, now that allows us to say, well, who actually sounds more like that organization yes. today? Yes. The people who are calling for more racial yes. discrimination yes. on the basis yes. of skin color. Yes, yes, yes. This is so good. <sighs> George Soros plant. I I don't know, but I don't I don't I don't have an X-ray into the man's soul. But gosh, damn it, is he saying everything that needs to be said right now? This is unbelievable. Between him and Donald Trump right now, I mean, we are. This is like a giant cherry bomb in the to, in the clogged up toilet that is politics in the U.S. 2023. And I'm loving every second of it. All right, let's take a quick break. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840. Yeah, yeah, like a cherry bomb right in the clogged toilet, blowing it all up, which is what we need. These people and all their demagoguery, they need to be slapped around and, and, and shown what's up. And I'm, I am done, and I mean done with Republicans who accept their premises and just lay over and play dead. I hate it. The What's Right Show will continue here on News Talk 840 KXNTI. Sam Rajovsky will be back in just a moment. Welcome back. Sam Rajovsky here at News Talk 840 KXNT. By the way, some great news over the weekend. I don't know if you saw this, but apparently a, uh, a Nevada Ranger uh, rode over some uh, climate protesters that were blocking the road up there uh, in um, 
that, that was connecting, uh, getting everybody into uh, Burning Man, the Desert Festival. Uh, th- this is, um, well, this, uh, this is a great story. The, 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 this is near Black Rock City, all right? The barricade was set up. There's probably eight, maybe 12 jokers out there. They had a big trailer. The uh, police officers showed up. And by the way, I think they're tribal police. It's my understanding with one of the Paiute tribes up there. So these are not federal authorities, not local sheriffs. They're, they're, they're tribal officers, which now, of course, is going to be a real conundrum for the left because it's, we can't, this is the Indian reservation police. And this is, we can't criticize the Indians. That's a problem. So what do we do? And of course, the internet is exploding over this because this is completely normal in Europe. Everybody who lives in Western Europe knows is dealing with these climate wackadoodles who are gluing themselves to roads, who are gluing themselves to artworks, de- you know, desecrating, uh, destroying uh, famous art pieces and galleries. Now, if you go to Europe, I mean, you, you try to look at a painting, a famous painting or something, uh, you know, that's not behind glass. It's not going to happen. It's thanks to people like this. And there's all this, all this video that's coming out of Europe saying or showing how these people have, have, you know, glued themselves to the road and there's ambulances that can't get by. And the police just stand there like, oh, well, we can't do anything. I always think, you know, be, be careful. If, if we let the Obama-Biden types turn the U.S. into another Western Europe, here's what we'll get. We won't be able to do anything about somebody who glues, glues themselves down and shuts down, you know, I don't know, the 15 freeway or, or, or I don't know, or uh, Sahara or uh, the 215. Well, just, that'll be an everyday occurrence. But the minute that you say something that is wrong speak, the minute you, you utter something that is politically incorrect or, let's say, misgender somebody, you'll go to jail. In fact, there was just yesterday there was news from Great Britain about a local politician who complained about something online about police and how they're acting. And they arrested him for a hate crime. Now, the fact of the matter is the, they're probably stretching the local rules, but the point is, in Europe, you can, in fact, arrest people for what they say. It's outrageous, and it happens all the time. And when you really get to the root of how a liberal thinks in this country, they, would, they fantasize about that. That's why they loved running Twitter so much. They loved being able to shut down Donald Trump because... We're doing the right thing, and we're protecting the country from hate. <laughs> and these people had you know, veins bulging in their, their necks and in their temples, just apoplectic over the fact that, that, that Trump was saying things that you, you can't say those things that are mean. It's not that they're mean. The left says plenty of mean things all the time. Videos all over the internet of, of, of grown people screaming at kids to mask up. Libs have no problem being mean. It's that they don't like any competition for, for, for intellectual discourse, if you can say or call what they say uh, intellectual. They don't want the counterpoint. They 
want monolithic thought because they know ultimately that their opinions, their ideas do not withstand debate. That they're just repackaging and reissuing uh, communism and socialism that has failed everywhere it's been tried. And that if they were to debate any one of us who understands that, they'd lose over and over and over again. So this is um, this is all really this is all really important stuff, and um, yeah, I, I and and by the again, this is why this is why Vivek Ramaswamy represents something to me personally that I really like, which is he is taking the First Amendment and fearlessly going on enemy networks, and he is dropping truth bombs. And for all of you that are writing me and telling me that you're you're you, you think he's a plant and whatever, then for for the love of Pete, why is, for example, why is DeSantis not going out there and doing the same thing? He could. I don't think that there's a single network that would turn him down. He ought to be doing it. And if he were doing it, I would be here shouting from the top of my lungs at, at, at praises. But he's just... He he's I mean that is uh, that is we this for another day to really pick apart what the hell's going on there, absolutely frozen, an inability to get anything uh, you know uh, out of his mouth, so frustrating. All right, friends, that's the music. I gotta go. The What's Right show it's over. Back tomorrow. Don't worry, I'll be here. Sam Marjofsky, over and out. <laughs>